Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Fitzpatrick, from Rugby Morning. And joining me, as always, is my co-host, Alistair Kirsch, Pool AKP. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm excited to introduce this new series that we're doing. Our main focus for the podcast, obviously, is Old Glory DC, but we wanted to branch out and we wanted to take a look at some other interesting things and interesting people who are doing things in rugby in the the capital region, the DMV. So um, we've started this interview series. We're going to try and every now and then find someone who is, is doing something interesting in the area and, and talk about them, what they're doing, and really bring you guys a, a perspective on the broader rugby scene in the area. Awesome. AKP, great stuff. Let's get right to the interview. All right. Our first ever guest. This man needs no introduction, but I'm going to try and channel his inner rugby promoter. Here goes the international man of mystery, John Layfield's favorite rugby pundit, Matt McCarthy's jealous of his beautiful hair, the PA born, Iowa and Baton Rouge raised, rugby TikTok's finest, media production entrepreneur, rugby festival creator, don't get him started on the Marvel Comics universe unless you have hours of time. Our guy, Gift Abelu. Gift, welcome to the show. How'd I do on the intro? Yo, let's go. I, I want to even know more about that guy. I, I'm like, who's that guy that you're talking about right now? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I need to set my game up because uh, uh, that was that was well, that was smooth. Look, you know that the really key when it comes to the intro is how smooth you can make it without making it feel like there was any hesitancy. Yet it feels completely off the top of the head. Kudos. Kudos. <laughs> I've studied your tape. I've studied your film. I'm learning from the best. <laughs> Man, no, I appreciate you guys letting me, uh, one, the honor of being the first guest, truly. Uh, it means the most. And secondly, for allowing me to have the time to be able to talk with you guys. I, I know you guys have been doing a lot of work, especially in the D.C. area. And, and John, particularly, you, look, man, you, you a legend in your own right. You're a legend. You, the, the man who, you're the information man. Let me just put it like that. You're the information man. And uh, I, it's truly appreciative to be able to talk with you guys. Awesome. Well, we, we love having you as a guest. I know we don't, I know we don't have much of your time because you're planning a big rugby festival that we're going to talk about in a few minutes here. But, you know, everyone, you know, people know your background a little bit, but I wanted to go a little deeper. Like, what, what was your, what's your origin story in in rugby how did it all start how did all of this rugby gift in rugby how did that all start man look you know it, it's always those things that are random stances um I, I always like to say that the, the first iteration was because of my need to learn more about american football and and that was the first time i saw the word rugby i literally in high school coaches wanted me to learn more about football saw that rugby was derived from uh, football was derived from rugby and i was like oh that's cool the second iteration was in college and this is where you say whenever we talk rugby voices and we were always constantly talking about rugby it's important because my dorm mate um he actually kevin morgan is his name at usf he was playing rugby for the team at university of south florida i want to make sure not san francisco university of south florida the real bulls uh he was the one who actually introduced me to rugby he actually told me hey gift you should come play rugby. And at the time, I was trying to play, try out for the college football team. And 
I actually always say I thought rugby was the old sport. I thought it was literally like the Renaissance Festival. Like you just have people that dress up and like, you know, you want to recreate some of the old stuff. Uh, but, you know, we already got the future already happening. Little did I know it was actually still in existence. So I didn't actually even I went to like maybe one practice and I was like, this is cool. But, you know, I wanted to play football and didn't think anything of it. And that's when the third pain point comes in where it's like distribution because it was actually a random reason that I even saw rugby uh, when I graduated from college. Came back home, happened to have NBC on because this was after the Super Bowl in 2009. And in February, saw the, um, the uh, Las Vegas 7s. And it was just at the time, NBC was just doing the highlights on Sundays. You know, they'd give us like a minute and a half of a game and then just a bunch of highlights and, and tease us like they were going to give us something but didn't give us anything. And I think I saw it was either – I think it was South Africa versus Scotland. I, I only remember green jerseys and blue jerseys. Watched them running, and I'm like seeing them pass the ball, you know, transition down the field. And I'm like, why are you guys passing? You guys should just like juke the guy. Like it's one-on-one. Just one, bop, bop, and then you go. And I was like, you know what? I could do that. But I, I, I didn't think Baton Rouge actually had rugby. But I was like, you know what? This is also dangerous but also inspirational words. It would be funny if <laughs> if you start any sentence with it would be funny if you know you're either going to get into trouble or you're going to get something good. And for me, I was like, it would be funny if Baton Rouge actually had rugby. Looked it up, found out they had a website for the club team. And I was like, they probably don't exist. You know, sometimes, you know, we had dead sites like that that just exist. And then happened to go to the practice, found out that they had the team. And then found out later they had a team for like 40 years and I had no idea. So this was a, a wild thing altogether. But that that was really where it all really kicked off from. And, and um, they brought me in and I just kind of attached in. Cult, first the game and then the culture got me. I love it. And this journey has, has taken you so far, right? Like you're playing, you've got you're an entrepreneur, you've got your own production company. How did what's the evolution of that? What made you decide, hey, you know, there's a there's a business opportunity here in this niche sport in the in the u.s and how did that start to come into play man yeah so that's an interesting thing so it really started in 2012 so i think we all know especially if you play at the d2 level um there's always those moments where you have all the guys and everybody's playing and then you have that one year where everybody has a family at like literally the same time. So nobody's able to come play. You're down to like three to five guys at practice. You're going to games under, under mans. You're with like seven, eight people. So we had that basically in 2012. We've gone basically two, three years and just competing, competing, competing. And at that point I was like, you know what? I've been playing for maybe about four years. I wanted to try and get a leadership position. And I was like, let me let me try and learn a little bit more about the teams that we're playing on top of like what's happening in the region. In conjunction with that, I've also always been one, uh, uh, always had a, 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 an interest to be able to do business. My, my, my mom's an entrepreneur. My dad is a, an engineer. So there's always the analytic with the, uh, uh, um, the, the dreamer uh, 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 together. So, uh, add that with the fact that I was also doing fantasy sports. So there was always the analytics for sports. And I wanted to find a way to be able to get into that. The more that I ended up learning about rugby, 
the more I was very confused as to why the sport was not bigger than it was. Because it seemed to at least have maybe not the tremendous numbers, but you have like the positioning. Every state has at least two, three clubs. Finding out that like almost every university has a club in some way, and, and particularly within the southeast region, we're talking about, you know, almost what I ended up counting out, like 400 men's and women's collegiate clubs alone, let alone, uh, cl- yeah, collegiate clubs, and let alone uh, maybe another 150 uh, men's and women's uh, adult clubs. So for me, I'm like, okay, we have an audience here. There's something to be able to build, but what's missing? And, you know, at the time there was Rugby Magazine, and you'd look through Rugby Magazine, and it would have East Coast Rugby, Midwest Rugby, West Coast Rugby. But down south, we were completely ignored sans Life University. And so I thought, hey, this is, this is kind of a wild situation that we have going on here. I think there might be something that we can do with this. So I, I started making at least a blog. Really, it was for Louisiana because I wanted to kind of create the – Who's the best of Louisiana first and and kind of rank us all because we all played each other so much uh, between Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Shreveport, and then the collegiate teams, LSU, and all of them. But in being able to develop that I wanted, was part of the reason why I needed to also get to know some of the other teams. So creating the predictions and having people engaged inside of it made it easy to you know kind of get people locked in. The competitive spirits uh, started increasing or maybe being more obvious. Uh, and then it just kind of rolled from there. At that, from that point, it was like blogging is great, but I, I don't know about you, John. You know this. When you write, writing is exhausting. I, and Alistair, I know you know this. Writing is exhausting after a little bit. Trying to figure out exactly the words, trying to get everything together. So I was just like, all right, I don't want to write every day. Let me see if I can get some video. And getting games was not something that was commonly done especially at the club level. Uh, I wanted to, and I hated the idea of games being lost in memory. That, that's like my biggest motto. I don't want games to be lost in memory because all we have are just the stories. And of course, as we get older and we tell it, those things get more exaggerated. So I wanted to have the videos <laughs> and be like, look, this exists. We have this. And so I would start trying to film games. And initially it was very difficult to be able to play and film uh, because, you know, you can't be in two places at once. But, um, you know, started trying to find ways to do that. And I'd post it up online and try and make highlights from those. And then you see the next problem. It's like, okay, we have the games, but, yo, people want to see games live. Like, how do we get the games live? So I actually found a, um online radio station. Uh, I forgot the name of it. Live something. And started doing... Uh, live podcast of games so commentating games back to back uh and i always give credit to this usa rugby's media team namely like laura gill probably was the first person who gave me like a big jump in uh my media past she was probably the first person who also like really well not first person but usa rugby wise that also promoted my content so she had allowed me to get passes to the USA versus Canada game. This was 2013 uh, in Blacksburg, South Carolina. And that was when we were qualifying for the 2015 Rugby World Cup. And I tried to do the live podcast on that. So the games were being filmed on a behind a paywall on whatever random 
NBC something or other that nobody was ever going to be able to see. And so I was like, yo, let me try and uh, just be a commentator on this one. Didn't go great because I'm not good with names, but uh, shout out to Alex. for <laughs> Alex Goff really tried to also help me with some of those names, but I was like, I might not be ready for this one, but let me try the collegiate ones. And we started working on that, and it actually created a little bit of a dynamic. People were listening a little bit here and there. Um, and again, it was something live. But since we don't live in 1950s, we still want to be able to see these games visually. So I then added into it, I'm going to film the games, uh, have somebody film the games, and then I'll live podcast it, and then put the two together. So now we have commentary and video, and uh, we'll get that going in. And I started doing that for uh, maybe about a year, maybe about six months. I would go to different places. I went to Florida. I went to um, Alabama, really along the south, just trying to get different collegiate men's and women's games so that we could kind of have a spread and, you know, really access places that a lot of people wouldn't know the game. Like, if we know this. You know, you see the field. People go out and play. You don't have a big crowd, but, you know, stuff happens, and I'm really happy I got some of those games because there was some – Really brutal playing, and there was some really great, great uh, um, camaraderie and just great action that would happen on the field. But, of course, for me, I'm, I'm an ambitious person. It's never really enough. So <laughs> it was, the next step was uh, I had a, uh, a former colleague who uh, used to be the media person for the USA South Panthers, which is the, um, I guess, the USA rugby developmental leg for NACRA, now known as uh, 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 RAN, now known as RAN. And so he was, he saw that I had been trying to do live stuff, and he was like, why don't we do this for our, our championship game, uh, Guyana versus USA Rugby Panthers? And I was like, sure, why not? Let me try this, and, and we'll see what happens. Tried to give it a shot, looked up all the stuff, got cameras and everything, and it absolutely didn't work. <laughs> Did not have the connection pieces to make it all work. That was money thrown down the drain. We ended up filming the game nonetheless, but it was it was three different camera shots. And, of course, you know, you promote up, it's going to be live, and then it's not live. You know, mm -hmm. people aren't too, too happy, but we're able to get the game. And so after that, I almost kind of was like, let me take a step. Maybe I pushed a little bit too far. But, um, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't give up on me. Uh, you know, I give him a lot of credit for that. Uh, and it allowed me to be able to get next the, uh, the live game he, uh, for USA U19's Panthers. And this time I actually called the company, told me, tell me exactly the equipment that I need to get so that I can do this live. Uh, they gave us all the stuff, went down to Orlando, Florida, the first couple games, we didn't get it right, but we finally were able to get a multi-camera stream going on. Um, and from there, mm. it kind of was like, all right, we, we have something. It wasn't quite well. It was still like 280p, 480p at the time um, and a little bit choppy. Tried to do it again for uh, another uh, conference, and it wasn't quite right. But we... Um, but I tried to, like, at least give us live games. This was the early days. So this is like, 2014, 2015. And it just kind of built out from there. So as I, after those matches, I was like, let me just spend time trying to get games, master being a director, producer, developer, and it just kind of ran from there. So uh, 2016 and 2017, uh, I made a 
you know, kind of demand to myself. I said, hey, every week I'm going to go to a different location. I'm going to have a full schedule out, and it's going to be this game, the game of the week. I will travel. I don't have any money, but I'm going to somehow pay people and <laughs> travel out and get this going. And, um, you know, we did it. So we went to – we did um, uh, Texas Rugby Union, um, the, the Texas Rugby Union Championships – we had done um, uh, the Red River uh, Rugby Conference. Shout out to Shea Flowers. Did a bunch of LSU games, so many LSU games. Uh, traveled to North Carolina. Traveled to uh, El Paso, Texas. And just was like, let me create a normality of seeing games regularly on a week-to-week basis. And trying to promote them and, and build up to it. Uh, it was expensive. It was it was a process, but it was I feel like it was really well worth it because it gave me an idea of how we need to be able to film and understand and what we're doing now really kind of based from what myself or Ryan Ginty with uh, uh, Next Level were all trying to be able to do. Um, and it just just kind of built out from there. Uh, but of course, again, I, as I always goes, it's never enough. It's never, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and it just, it went from, okay, now we're filming games. Now we can do that. But how do we get people over here? We need to be able to get casual fans over to these games because there's something to watch. We don't necessarily have a stadium, but we can do something. So I wanted to start producing halftime shows. Uh, and that's really where it, it getting me over to here. Uh, I did four. Big appreciation to Life University, Shea Flowers, and um, uh, my guy uh, works for Indiana now. Um, at used to work for Spring Hill College. But they <laughs> allowed me to attempt to bring in musicians and uh, try and put together a halftime show. I mean, they all messed up in some way, shape, or form, but it was a good learning experience. The musicians got to experience rugby, which was a different platform for them. For the rugby people, it was a different way of having a grassroots rugby campaign, uh, have performances with it, and, and entertain that's outside of the rugby. And for me, just a test subject and an ability to you know, kind of work on, on tweaking some stuff which would ultimately lead to what we do with the HBCU Rugby Classic. So uh, really when it comes to that media space, it was just trying to you know, increase and, and, and build up and, and see if we can you know, fill that gap spot that's where it's missing when it comes to how we regularly consume and take rugby. Also, because we also had so many people doing other, other stuff. So you know, I also was a little intimidated to, com- to, to build in those areas too. <laughs> Gift, I want to talk to you a little bit about one that that's awesome, right? All the work that you did and like the 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 uh, the how to how to put this like the pre dawn of like people being able to realize like we can actually stream and watch these matches, which is key, and it's not behind a paywall. Um, the hustle that you and just the effort and the time, I think all USA Rugby fans are appreciative of those efforts. It's crazy how how much growth we've seen over the last just like five or six, seven yeah. years, right? Like folks like me and Alistair and others who are starting to create content and just put it out there, which is great. And I think that parallels well with the kind of the, the, and we don't have time for this big conversation, right. But like the conversation of like growth of rugby in the U S right. So just from, from playing, from 
professional leagues to trying to unify the college game to getting more people into rugby. I want to jump, we're jumping around here a little bit, but I want to talk a little bit about the HBCU rugby classic, but also the growth of rugby at HBCU. That's such a bigger, broader question. Um, I feel like it's, it's untapped in the sense that it seems like more HBCUs are starting to come online with both men's and women's programs, which is awesome. But Fill us in there. Like, what's the growth trajectory there of rugby at HBCUs, and how big can we get this thing? I mean, in terms of just the number of more players coming into the sport, and just diversifying the sport, and just trying to get rugby into that top five, top six played sports in the U.S. Yeah, look, you know, it. I've always been a big believer that um, development in the HBCUs is is absolutely critical to development of not just rugby in America, but a culture for rugby that's American. Um, You know, so much of the HBCUs have been uh, critical to just our pop culture development from uh, great people uh, who've gone to Howard University, Morehouse. I mean, you know, Martin Luther King is Morehouse University grad. Um, You know, you have actors like Chadwick Boseman, who's a Howard University grad, you know, even Phaedra Knight, who's an Alabama State um, graduate. Like, we have so many people who are critical to the development of U.S. institution that to not have them have rugby was always a little interesting to me. But, you know, credit to the guys who started it. I mean, 2012 Morehouse, I mean, there's always been little bits of people. And even from that, the guys like Ram Eddings with the Gray Wolves and to what we have now with Roots Rugby, all of them, you know, all crescent together to what we have been able to develop with the HBCU. So when you talk about what is the extent to where it can go, I mean, we have 119 HBCUs, probably maybe about 100 or maybe are probably uh, rugby capable. I'm talking about have the field space, uh, would have the population to be able to do it. And then now, especially after the pandemic, whenever there's been so much more of a focus on being able to culturally identify and be strengthened in it, it's now the place where it was prior to the 60s, but without the segregation. What I mean by that is it's a location where People, uh, especially black and brown people, are able to develop in a community that they're familiar with to strengthen the security of of your identity to be able to now uh, go out into the outside world and be the true authentic self, which is something that we have to have whenever it comes to rugby. So our development now, we're starting to see more people, obviously, like you said, wanted to be a part of it. Howard University came after 2021, Morehouse 2012, uh, Prairie View A&M 2013, Florida A&M with 2013 itself, or late 2012, even though they're, they're, they're defunct now. And now we have uh, Bowie State uh, coming along. Southern University is going to be here at the end of 2023. Florida Memorial has uh, something coming up maybe around 2024, 2025. Uh, North Carolina a had something started about 2019, got a little held up by the pandemic, but we'll see them again. You get stuff about Tennessee State. And so there's, there's it's not just growth, but it's the participation from the community as well. Uh, you know, people like Kirill Guthrie, you know, we got uh, uh, people like uh, uh, Tozan Tutitanwe, uh, you know, Isaiah Washington, uh, just trying to create tent poles areas 
for this. And I, it's, it's, it's really commend. It's not just commendable. It, it's impressive to see what the exponential growth will be because, like I said, I think that does tail back to what we need to do to create our identity as USA rugby people. It, it does create the identity. And then going into the community, and, and I, I particularly always like to make sure that I, I emphasize, it allows us to not just grow rugby as players, but it grows rugby as an ecosystem. Because the ecosystem of rugby, I think, is, and for any sport, is what actually strengthens the sport. We can all play on the field. We've been playing on the field uh, for 100 years uh, and in modern times for, since the 1960s. Um, but in terms of creating an ecosystem, a.k.a. The, the branches that develop from the sport itself, that has been the weaker component. And that's the part that we are now starting to see in these last five, six years where myself, yourself, you know, the Curtises, the Grant Coles, the MLRs, the, the Goffs, everybody has now tried to create entrepreneurial branches, citizen sports, at the, all of them all creating like these these branch elements that um, create an ecosystem and opportunity. And when it comes to developing in the black community, there's been so much talk about trying to develop as players and so and only recently more so talking about developing outside. This is an opportunity for us to be able to develop the community outside. Hey, let's travel. Let's open up your your horizon. Let's let's see the world. Let's bring information back to the community. Let's uplift culture. Let's create e e uh, e uh, economics out of this. And I, I key in again because HBCUs have been integral to that in so many ways. Like n so many people don't realize how much has been borrowed from them. That in rugby, uh, it, it's a natural next step. It is a natural next step. So. Um, no, we, the growth, is, to say the least, the sky is the limit. Okay, so the HBCU uh, Rugby Classic. Do you want to give us a bit of an explanation of what that event is, what the history is, you know, why it's it's now in D.C., and, and what fans can expect from it? Absolutely, absolutely. So the HBCU Rugby Classic, the premier rugby event for HBCU Rugby, um, you know, it was, uh, it's a brainchild, uh, um, and it really stemmed off, again, from, one part on wanting to do the entertainment and everything that I took from 2016 and 2017, in addition to the introduction of uh, me getting to know that Morehouse College in 2015 had a rugby program. Uh, and so basically from 2015 until 2018, I wanted to work with HBCUs, but I didn't know exactly how I was going to do it. I, I never put together a event. It, it, I just knew I wanted to get them involved. When I found out that Prairie View A&M in, I think, 2017 had a rugby program, it kind of all clicked it together because Morehouse College had never had a chance to play Prairie View A&M because they're so far apart. But having to, happening to live in Baton Rouge allowed me to be the middle ground, and then we were able to bring it together. So 2018, uh, I embarked on the, the, the process of you know, let's get the HBCUs over and, and let's get them playing. I already knew how to stream, so I was like, at least I know I can stream the games um, and let's see if we can make this an event. And the whole key was, one, to the point, I want to create something that is different than other rugby tournaments. I think we have such a repetitious way of doing our, our tournaments that uh, it's made it very difficult to pull out. So I wanted one that was more crowd focused than it was player focused 
I wanted one that was going to be able to put a spotlight on the HBCUs. And I wanted something that we were able to, um, you know, be culturally, um, you know, extravagant with. Uh, let's let's bring in and I want to bring in musicians um, in the past. We've seen so many times that music and sports uh, almost go hand in hand, whether it's football or basketball for as a guy who lives in Louisiana in 2009, when we won the Super Bowl, one of the best parts of the Super Bowl was the music that came out from it. Like the the customized, everybody's celebrating, and it just made the event so much bigger and put so many more stakes. So I wanted more stakes to be involved with, with rugby. I wanted more entertainment to be involved. And I wanted to have a reason to now say, hey, come use our platform to connect with more audience that you wouldn't normally have and this audience is legitimately dope. They just don't promote themselves <laughs> very much. But it's legitimately a dope audience. And it was something that attracted. So 2018 was hard. <laughs> it was Getting that together was so hard. So hard. But, you know, uh, thanks to people who supported my family, uh, Teresa Bowie with Baton Rouge Youth Rugby, we were able to bring it all together at the last second and kind of set the stage for it. 2019, we were able to repeat it and started getting more involvement from the city um, and, and more people started to know. One thing I didn't realize was how few people, especially in the rugby community, knew what an HBCU actually was. Uh, I know people had some people had ideas, uh, but really, I, I just a lot of people did not know they either existed or that they weren't just like black only. It's like it's predominantly black, which is a completely different concept. You know, this is a black environment, but not black exclusive, you know. So being able to have that knowledge, now people started to like, okay, let's let's maybe pour in a little bit to it. Let's let's talk a little bit more. And it's kind of just crescended from there. Um, 2020, obviously, the pandemic happened and couldn't make that go. Uh, 2021 was another struggle one. It was we just kind of lifted COVID rules sort of and. You know, it was like, let's make a mad dash rush and, you know, try and add people, you know, appreciate Roots and, and, and uh, you know, Prairie View A&M, MICR, Dallas Youth Rugby for coming in. I think we had the Barbarians uh, in 2019 and bringing into high schools and trying to connect them in so that we have a natural transition of the high schools into college. And I went to bring in the club, but it got a little busy, but Roots still made it. And, and they were phenomenal. They were, you know, it, it's, I give so much credit to all these programs because the HBC Rugby Classic literally could not happen without it. So to what we have now and getting it over uh, was because people heard about the HBC Rugby Classic. Daniel Davalier, for, who's the captain for Howard University, hit me up. He was like, hey, I wanted to, I'm at Howard. I played at Jesuit in New Orleans, knew about the HBC Rugby Classic. I wanted to create a team so that we could bring it over here, and I'd love to do it. This is kind of coming on my last year. And honestly, he put a really compelling argument together, and I was like, all right, let's go make this happen. And, um, you know, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a little risky because unlike Baton Rouge where I initially had it and, and kind of partially I wanted to have kept it in Louisiana because I wanted to have kind of an opposite. I don't know if you guys know about this. It's called the Bayou Classic. Um, which is uh, the football uh, version, Southern versus University major event, but um, but I was like, you know, this this needs to be transient, um, and we need to make sure that you know we're getting into more places, and you know sometimes you need a bigger market, and honestly, people were having difficulties getting to Baton Rouge, so 
uh, made the, ar- the 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 argument to get us there, and um, you know, it's been again, it's been a process getting to this point, working together. But I give a lot of credit to Howard, uh, Howard men, Howard women. Um, they've been phenomenal in helping to make this thing go through because, like I said, I don't know D.C. like that. I have family in D.C. I've been there once or twice, but I don't have any recognition in it. So um, being able to have that that boots on the ground, especially now that I'm residing in Brazil, uh, it adds another layer of, of uh, challenge to be able to get these things done. But it doesn't stop the movement. And, you know, again, we, the interest has been phenomenal phenomenal but now we need to get we're getting this over the top it's going to be music it's going to be fan fest um great rugby high school and college over three days and and it's just it music it's just it's going to be so much fun it's going to be so much fun awesome yeah hbcu rugby classic march 31st through april 2nd 2023 at howard university We'll include the website and the link for tickets in the show notes. So we'll make sure everyone listening, they can, they can grab that there. Yep, I know we only got a few minutes left for you. I want to change gears here for a second. I want to talk a little MLR. I know you're a Nola Gold fan. Yeah, you know, I got to represent for my people. <laughs> That's right. Not sure what's going on with their slow start. We can talk about that in just a second. But if I wave a magic wand and I make you the new commissioner, I know they have a new you know, C, CEO or CEO, whatever. Right. If you're the new commissioner, MLR, what's the first thing you do? First thing I do is find the money to pay for four major charismatic players to go and do promotional rounds on every possible media source that I can get them on. I want some people to talk up my league like crazy because – it is easier to get people to a place uh, when they have a few people to uh, use as a face versus trying to get a whole team that nobody might necessarily connect with. But get the individuals and say, hey, look, here is $2,000 extra. Here's for the year. I don't know. I don't know what it is. 2000 5000 I don't know. But we got to get you talking. I want you entertaining these people as much as possible. <laughs> You're here. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, no better, no better rugby promoter, promoter than Gift. Who, and Gift, I gotta ask you. So, <clears throat> pri- was it, this was prior to the 2019 World Cup, right? Mm-hmm. You and a buddy who you met randomly, right, took a bike trip to get to the World Cup in Japan. Yep. Could we anticipate some type of epic bike trip from Brazil through South America? We'll figure out the Panama Canal up through Central America. Through Texas, through Baton Rouge, up the East Coast to DC. Is that is that how we kick off this tour for the HBCU? You only got three weeks. You might you know, need to get on a bike you, here you soon. You know, it's, it's 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 a dream. It's a dream. You, we might have to repeat this. We might have to set this up for the next one. You know, there's a whole mental build that we need to get into this. Uh, you know, the struggle is real. The struggle is very very real. But uh, you know, it's it's something to use for the future. I, I, I'm always here for it. I know my boy Jason is always good to be able to go do it. So uh, you know, we'll see. <laughs> They got electric bikes now, right? They got those pedal pedal assist bikes. You don't have to pedal as much. This is true. <laughs> hey, look, they did it for uh, uh, with um, uh, Obi Wan Kenobi, the actor who did was Obi Wan Kenobi for his program on Apple Plus. So uh, you know, anything's possible now. You know, <laughs> change the game. <laughs> oh, uh, but before we go, I, I just want to also just give proper support. Um, uh, you know, it's to to my my sponsors. Uh, 
you know, ASTAT, you know, Citizens Rugby Sports, Young Glory, Old Glory, Sheehy Auto, like, uh, without them, literally, it would be impossible to be able to do this. Um, so, uh, to them, obviously, Howard Rugby Program, uh, so much appreciation, uh, and, and Howard University as well, like, we're, we're getting it done, we're making it happen, and, and I'm, I'm excited. I'm so hyped for, for what's coming. Awesome. Awesome gift. We can't thank you enough. Thank you enough for your time here and answering our silly questions. But no, we're super excited for the HBCU Rugby Classic happening in D.C. at the end of March. Uh, I think we're going to be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm excited for some exciting rugby here, some college rugby here uh, in Washington, D.C. So for AKP Gift, thank you very much. We'll catch you next time. We'll see you in, the, in a couple of weeks. Awesome. Thank you guys so much, man. Y'all take care. And uh, I will do this again if you have me. <laughs> Okay, thank you again, Gift, for that interview. I mean, such an inspiring guy in the, the rugby scene around here. Um, are you going to be going to the HBCU Classic? Yeah, Gift's such a great personality and brings so much energy. So I'm definitely going to be there March 31st through April 2nd at Howard University in Washington, D.C. It's going to be a good time. There's going to be music. There's going to be other games going on. I'm excited. Hope to see you guys there. But uh, thanks again, Gift, for a great interview. And uh, we'll catch everyone at the next episode.